Well, it's always a honor to open God's Word together. And God gives you a message. You never run out of material with God's Word. There's always something. And if it's something He's already opened up to us, when you go to it again, there's always something else we can go to that ever learning, as long as we're on this earth, we can never know it all. And and, uh, we serve a... A great God who saved us, and we can thank Him every day. Well, has anyone ever disobeyed God and got into a jam and wondered, how in the world am I going to survive? James shares, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. The Bible's full of examples. Remember Balaam, who disobeyed God in Numbers twenty-two twelve. You shall not go with them, the men wanting Balaam to curse God's people. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. And remember, he had a unique experience when the donkey said, I can't go any further because an angel's standing here. He got his attention then, as he would have got our attention. We also have the example of Saul, as he disobeyed God. Often, First Samuel fifteen twenty two, the prophet Samuel shares, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. Are the tribes of Israel in Second Kings 18. The king of Assyria carried Israel away captive to Assyria, put them in Hala and by the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes, because why? They did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded, for they would neither hear nor do them. We're never stubborn like any of those examples, are we? Where God tells us to do something and we disobey. Well, this morning our study zeroes in on Jonah the prophet, who disobeyed God as we hear his cries from the belly in Jonah chapter 2. And in Jonah chapter 2, we have four details of Jonah's cry from the belly. So join me in Jonah Chapter 2, and we're never like Jonah, I'm sure, but in the Old Testament there was a man whose part of his life is recorded for us who decided that his way was going to be better than God's way. Jonah chapter 2, we're going to look at the entire chapter. But before we do, let's bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're just thankful this morning that you are so patient with us. You're long-suffering with us. You don't give up on us. Just like we'll see here with Jonah, you didn't give up on him. And I pray, Father, as we look to your word, as we see this example in the life of Jonah, that we would be reminded of how you are patient with us every day, every moment, even now. And I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit would 
Enlighten us, Lord, from your word, not only to hear your word, but to apply it. And Father, that we would be obedient. Oftentimes we, out of pride, want to do our own thing, Lord, and and we get messed up. But as with Jonah, we'll see you still are with us and you still are there to deliver us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before looking at this chapter, we need a little background on the prophet Jonah. He was a spokesman for God, like Elijah, Elisha, Daniel, and Nehemiah. He was a prophet. Jonah hated the Ninevites. He didn't want to go there because they were known for their cruelty. When Nineveh's army defeated another army, they impaled the enemy soldiers and either burned them alive or tortured them, and then they'd finally cut their heads off. So they were brutal, and everyone knew how brutal they were. And so Jonah, when he was told by God, go to Nineveh, uh, he was shaking his head, I'm sure, saying, no, I'd rather go another direction. And so when Jonah was given this mission from God, he reacts in verses 2 and 3, He's told of chapter 1, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Not a good idea. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And, of course, if he went to Tarshish, that was out of the presence of the Lord, right? That's what Jonah was thinking. And so Jonah thinks I can go that other direction. And beginning of verse 4, as we read on, as you would read on there in chapter 1, God sends out a great wind on the sea, and the lots were cast to see who had angered their God. And amazingly, That falls on Jonah. And Jonah confesses his disobedience to God and the crew reluctantly tossed Jonah overboard. They tried to toss everything else overboard and finally they had to throw him overboard. And as the storm stops when Jonah was thrown overboard, there was a mini revival on board while Jonah is swallowed by a great sea creature of some sort. So now we come to our passage in chapter 2 and we look at the four details of Jonah's cries from the belly. The first detail is Jonah's situation, beginning of verse 1. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol You heard my voice, for you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me, all your breakers and billows passed over me. This disobedient prophet prays to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. Jonah, by the grace of God, doesn't drown, but he's swallowed by a great fish, a sea creature, literally It's a sea monster. And down he goes into the stomach. But not out of God's sight, as he was thinking was going to happen. 
Where are we reminded? Psalm 139. Where can we go and be out of God's sight? Is there anywhere? Tarshish wasn't the place. Inside the belly of this great sea creature that had swallowed him. So Jonah's crying out. He's proclaiming loudly because of his great affliction. I don't think any of us have ever been inside a great sea creature, have we? I'm not raising my hand. I'm just seeing if there was anyone else. I'd like to know. I wouldn't imagine it would be very comfortable there. And so it was a great affliction. He was in danger of drowning. He's fearful, like the sailors were back in chapter 1. They were fearful. They wanted to know which person on board had angered their God. And, of course, it fell onto Jonah. But then we notice the next phrase in, in these verses. It says, and God answered me. How often has God answered our prayers and shown his grace, even when we've been disobedient to him and his word? Warren Worsby shares this. Prayer is one of the miracles of the Christian life. To think that our God is so great, he can hear the cries of millions of people at the same time and deal with their needs personally. That that is amazing. Verse 2 continues, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. Jonah didn't die But here he's in a catastrophe very close to death. And I'm sure from his perspective, it looks certain that he was going to die. Psalm 30 verse 3 remind us, O Lord, you have brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Where has God ever delivered us from a close call in life? Anybody, don't have to raise your hand, but I'm sure... Most of us would say, been on the brink of death or I could have died, but God delivered me. What about a car accident? What about a health issue? What about dodging a hurricane or a tornado? And before I moved to Florida, I never thought they got tornadoes in Florida. I heard about the hurricanes, but tornadoes as well. Has anybody ever had one come close in here in Florida? Yes, here, get that on your phone real loud, telling you take cover. Yeah, I don't know about you, but when that happens and the wind's blowing and the, and the rain is coming down, so I don't go outside and look and say, well, I don't know if I believe that. That phone's going off, but maybe it's malfunctioning or something. Now, we try to take cover. And it's those times, too, those close calls that God is with us. I remember the first head-on car wreck we had back in, was it 2002 or four. I remember when the ambulance came and they looked in the car, they saw us on the side, they said, we were looking inside because we thought you guys were dead. Well, we know God protected us through that. Somebody's coming at you 80 miles an hour and you can't dodge out of the way and hit you head-on. You know God's protection is there. Jonah recognized, even though God saved him from drowning, that he was being disciplined for his disobedience. Just like David recognized his sin when Nathan revealed his sin with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 12. And it's interesting here, Jonah 
accepted his discipline from God inside the belly of this great sea creature. It says, God, you cast me into the deep. He's not blaming the sailors. And how we respond to God's discipline determines what benefit we'll receive out of it. And look with me over at Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to see different ways we can respond to God's discipline. And if God, if we're his child and God loves us, he will discipline us at times. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 5. You have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? So we have a choice. We can despise it, as it talks about in verse 5, that we're not to despise God's discipline. And then, secondly, we can become discouraged. We can faint when we are reproved by Him. We can resist it, according to verse 9. Or we can accept it and submit to the Father in verse 7. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So the question becomes... What is our reaction when God disciplines us? Jonah knew that God was disciplining him for his disobedience. So now we see beginning of verse 4, the second detail, we see Jonah's prayer. Beginning of verse 4. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bar was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. And then verse 7. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Jonah, in disobedience and rebellion, was going down. Down to Joppa, down into the sides of the ship, down to the bottoms of the mountains, and down into the fish's belly. The only way we can go then is turn to God when we're totally flat on our backs. While I was growing up, there was a multimillionaire man named Art. And he had millions. He had a huge company. And he always was talking about what he was going to spend and what he was going to use his money for. And God took it all away in one day. And Art ended up in the hospital. And he told me and he told our family as he was looking up from the hospital bed, he said, now I have to look up. 
as everything else was gone. And he had a renewed faith because he had put all that money, all that success before God. In faith, Jonah looked up in, it says, into your God's holy temple. God had Jonah's attention at the brink of death to look to his only hope, our only hope, God. And I want to share because we sing this song at times, All My Hope. We haven't sung it in a while, but we've sung it here at Lakeside. And I I think it's a good reminder where our hope has to be. I've been held by the Savior. I felt fire from above. I've been down to the river. I ain't the same. A prodigal return. All my hope is in Jesus. Thank God that yesterday's gone. All my sins are forgiven. I've been washed by the blood. I'm no stranger to the prison. I've worn shackles and chains, but I've been freed and forgiven. Yes, I have. I'm not going back. I'll never be the same. That's why I sing. All my hope is in Jesus. That's where our hope has to be. Everything else is going to let us down, but God never will. Jonah looked to the promise for the Jewish people like him. That promise is recorded. We won't look at it this morning, but 1 Kings 8, 38 to 40. That promise is there for the people, including Jonah. Also, there's a reminder of Psalm 18, 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him even to his ears. We as believers have the promise of Hebrews 4.16. And what does that say? We can come boldly up to where? Up to the throne of God and find what? What do we need there? Mercy? Do we need grace? Anybody else ever need mercy and grace? I know for me sometimes many times a day. Jonah looked and claimed the promise of 1 Kings 8. We claim the promise of Acts 2.21. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jonah literally is being saved here because this fish came up. And who directed that great fish? And there's a lot of discussion as to whether it was a sea creature or a fish. Who directed that fish to be there at that time? God. So who was in control? God was. Was Jonah? No, he he was going the wrong way. He needed to get turned around, but God didn't give up on him. Even when we're disobedient, we've turned our backs on God. He, as our Heavenly Father, never turns his back on us. God is faithful. Where do we see God's faithfulness in our lives? Do we? Is it just in church, lakeside? Where else? Wakes you up every morning? And someone over? Every day. day. And when he wakes us up in the morning, every day, on this earth, do you think we have a purpose? Why are we still here on this earth as believers? Do we have a purpose? What is it? Pardon? Pardon? Spread the gospel. 
live a life that shows God is real because they see it, something in our lives. Not that we're great, but God is great. So God is faithful and we're to be faithful at our jobs. As God supplies our needs, do we remember to thank him? And waking us up, other places, just every life we touch. You know, we're a testimony whether we want to be or not. Either draw people to God or repel them by what they see in us. God's word reminds us, Psalm 89, 8, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. Psalm 36, 5, your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Again, the other night I was looking outside and I could see stars and I couldn't see the end of them. Can we see the end of the stars? Because if you look a little closer, how many have a telescope? Might want to borrow that sometime. (laughs) You just look and look and you say, well, I think I see that last one. Oh, there's another real dim light. And that's millions of light years away that coming to us and we see the light of the stars and God has named them. That's why it's so amazing that God can hear all our prayers. Warren Worsby was saying, he doesn't get them mixed up, saying, oh, that request is for, oh, no, wrong one. He doesn't do that. He's God and we can put our trust in him. Jonah learned as an Old Testament prophet that God was still faithful to him as God shows his faithfulness to us every day. When we cry for help like Jonah here, or Peter when he walked on water, remember? He was walking on water and then he got a little distracted and he started to sink and he yelled out, help. And Jesus said, just drown. You blew it. (laughs) He didn't do that with Peter, did he? He doesn't do that with us. He went over and he grabbed him and together they walked back to the boat. And again, I'm always so amazed. Peter got out. He was pretty bold at times. Sometimes got him in trouble, but he got out of the boat. I don't think I would have, honestly. But he did, and God was there. He he was showing his power, and he was showing his faithfulness uh, to Peter. Third detail shared in verses 8 and 9. This is Jonah's repentant heart. Jonah, beginning of verse 8. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is where it's from the Lord. That third detail, Jonah's repentant heart. God wants us to be in fellowship with him. Likely, Jonah's vows had to do with fulfilling the mission God gave him back in chapter 1, verse 2. This prophet had tried to run, but he can't run away from God. We can't either. Jonah confesses having idols before God in his life. An idol being anything that takes away from God that obedience that belongs only to him. And I know we live in a world where there's no idols around. 
We don't set those on our table. We don't set those on a somewhere that we can look at every day that we put before God. And of course, I'm kidding. There's a lot of idols that we put before God. What are a few of them? Television, really. Yeah, more than an hour a day. Yeah, sometimes we turn it on. We turn it on for the noise, don't we? Just the background noise. We all do that from time to time. Anything else? Television. Internet. What's that? Electronics. Oh, we got to have our phone. You can do everything with your phone now. Don't need a computer. Whatever you want to do almost, you can do with the phone. And pretty soon they'll have one that'll talk to you and say, here's your schedule for the day. Oh, 10 o'clock, you need to go do this. Now they're getting cars that can drive themselves. Um, They were testing those in Tampa several weeks ago. Nobody driving these semis up uh, one area. I was sure to avoid that area, but they had... uh, They were actually driving them, I guess, by remote control. There was nobody in them. But uh, just see if they could do that. Other idols could be sports. Oh, no, not sports. That wouldn't be on the list. Uh, Popularity, money. Uh, I'm sure none of those would apply. Anything that gets in the way of us obeying God. And we get them from every angle, don't we? Because Satan wants us to go after anything but obeying God. Because God is God. He's over all. He's sovereign. 1 Corinthians 10.14 says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. If it's getting in the way, flee from it. Get it out of the way. That last phrase in verse 8, it says, Salvation is where? It's of the Lord, of the Lord. It's a thought from Jeremiah 3.23 for Jonah. Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills, from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. For us, truly salvation is of the Lord. By God's grace from start to finish. Can we ever thank him enough, worship him enough? Live for him enough to show how blessed we are to be chosen by the God of the universe. Not on our own merit, but based on what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. Complete. This is what inmate Joshua Dial, who's in Millen, Georgia, at Jenkins Correctional Center. This is what he shared and all that he had been searching for. It's entitled, Show Me the Way. I awaken in this lonely place day after day. Sometimes I wonder how life ended up this way. Every second I spend in this dark cell, wondering if I'll ever leave this cold jail. I think of my family and loved ones at home and realize this is not where I belong. I roll out of my bunk, get down on my knees, I close my eyes, and bow my head and ask, God, please, forgive me and come into my heart. I ask you, Lord, to lead me in a new start. I thank you, God, for your saving grace and love, for there is no love like the good Lord above. 
Tears of joy I will now cry. All my fears I kiss goodbye. I'll continue to wake in this place day after day, but I'll not be alone or cold, and darkness will not prevail. I've asked God's forgiveness and to be released from my mental hell. I ask you, Lord God, please show me the way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Every morning you need to ask God, show me the way. Show me what you want me to do today. The fourth detail is shared in verse 10, and that's Jonah's deliverance. It says in verse 10, Then the Lord commanded the fish and had vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. I just had to kind of imagine that fish had to have indigestion. (laughs) Here's Jonah all crammed up in there. He's been praying. He's repented of his sin, but... I'm sure it wasn't an easy place to be for the fish as well. An awesome beginning of the verse. So the Lord spoke to the fish. Again, God's in charge. Like our Lord spoke all the world in creation back in Genesis 1. When God said it, it happens. And it happened then. Jonah, by the grace of God and reminded of that in this experience, is given another chance to obey God and fulfill the mission given to him in chapter 1. Where has God delivered us from? None of us, as far as I know, has been inside the great fish, the great sea creature like Jonah. Has God ever given us a second chance? Or a third? Or a fourth? Or a fifth? And you name it, God doesn't give up on us. And as we saying this morning, God clings to us in the worship service. God clings to us. He doesn't let go of us. And I praise God every day that he doesn't let go of me. And I trip. I I don't learn the lessons I need to learn. But every day God is still clinging to me as he's clinging with all of us. And a few of the words cling to Christ, remind me of this. Father, I can come to you and boast of deeds I've done in my pride. I strive to earn the favor Christ has won. He alone pleads my acceptance. All my works aside, so I come with empty hands and I cling to Christ. Father, I can go astray and battle needless fears. Voices tell me I'm condemned and that I can't draw near. But your spirit calls me homeward with your words of life. Jesus bore my every sin, so I cling to Christ. It's more than I can do to keep my hold on you. But all my hope and peace is that you cling to me. Doesn't let go. Praise God. When we've disobeyed our Heavenly Father and we turn from him, He brings discipline to us as needed because he loves us. He wants us to learn. And sometimes God has to do it more than once, but he doesn't give up on us. When God disciplines us like Jonah, there's always a purpose. I believe each of us has a purpose on this earth as long as God wakes us up in the morning. 
Praise God, we have the hope when we wake up in heaven and someday we'll walk through heaven's gates. I'm reminded of that old hymn, This World is Not My Home. What does it say? I'm just a passing through. Treasures are laid up, hopefully somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me. We ever have those days? Angels, we feel the angels are beckoning us to go to heaven. Did Paul struggle with that too? Whether to be here on earth or to be with the Lord? We all do, especially some days that don't seem to end. Have we ever been like Jonah and being disobedient? to God's directions. Instead of being like P.O.W. Daniel, remember? Even though he was a captive, what did he do three times a day? He prayed to who? The one true God. And he didn't care even when his life was on the line that others would see him doing it. Even when he had the potential of being thrown into a den of lions, he continued to pray or Nehemiah having to rebuild, having to lead rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And he was being so blasted, so mocked, so being put down. He finally cries out and said, help. We too, out of pride, sometimes we don't do that, do we? We say, well, God, I can still try to handle it. We make it a worse mess. All we need to do is say, God, help me. I'm drowning here as Jonah was crying out. Have we learned through those events in our lives, God is long-suffering toward us and He never lets go of us. I praise the Lord God hears our cries for help even when we're not turning to Him like we should. But as a loving Father, He gets our attention whatever it takes because He does love us. Someday, We're going to be in heaven. We're going to be in heaven for how long? Eternity, forever. And uh, I was talking with somebody earlier, you know, will we be thinking about how this turned out or that? I think we're going to be so busy praising the Lord that we won't have time to say, well, how did that turn out? Or, Or what about that? I think we're going to be saying, praise you, Lord God for your deliverance, that we're going to be with him forever. I hope that encourages you this morning. Jonah, I think, was encouraged even when he got vomited out on the beach. Where did he go? Tarshish? No. He went to Nineveh, and I think he probably had a little spry in his step as he was headed there, probably thinking, I should have went there at the first time. But now I'm definitely got a mission. And uh, at that time, when he gave that message God had for him to give to Nineveh, how did they respond? They repented. Even the king, all of the, the leaders, all the people repented. Now, later on, they were judged. But at that point, they were delivered. And they were not judged. Because Jonah obeyed the second time. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the example of Jonah. Sometimes we're just like him. God, we're thankful that you didn't give up on him and you don't give up on us. 
I pray this coming week you would use each one here to show the world the answer is you. By something we say, something we do, Lord, and when you prompt us through your Holy Spirit and you give us the strength to obey you, help us to do it, Lord, so we don't have to take the detour like Jonah did. Help us to obey the first time because we love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.